Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, welcome back to the show. Today is Thursday, June 27th, 2013, and glad you're joining us. I see that everybody there on the lines. Appreciate you tuning in, and of course, Donna is with me again as well, and we just decided we're just going to open up the lines once again this week and have a trucking open forum to let you decide on what trucking-related topic that we'll discuss. And if by some odd chance we don't get any callers, you'll just have to listen to me and Donna ramble on for an hour and a half or so. But uh, we're going to try something a little bit different. We lost our Wi-Fi, so Donna's just not too far from me now, and we're going to see how it works with our phones so close together. So... What do you think, Donna? How's it how's it going to sound over there? Um, I don't know. I don't hear any bleeding going on. Does it sound good to everybody? Uh, well, uh, it sounds okay to me. So I think we'll just go ahead and roll with it and see how it works. And and uh, I can I can hear you real good. I don't know how loud you're talking, but I don't know how the how it's going to sound. So maybe just speak up a little bit. But I'm not getting any because I'm on a headset. So. Okay, well, if all I see, let's see, I see Richard in the chat room and a lot of guests. I see Maso7 in the chat room. If you could just let us know how it sounds because this is a whole new system tonight. So I'm going to type something in the chat room right now. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, they're coming in there. Uh, all right, well, welcome guests, everybody there, and uh, the Red Guy Show, okay, MASO7. Hello to you. I'll call you after the show. We were uh, we were scrambling a little bit today. The the weather here has been horrible. I think the average rainfall for Florida in June is a little over seven inches, and we've well surpassed that because I know one day we got about five, and we lost our phones this morning. And Donna was scrambling to get on, but we're up and running. So uh, yeah, well, let's see the lines. Okay, well we'll just kind of get rolling here because the lines are filling up and everybody's jumping in the chat room. And you decide where we go. So we'll uh, we'll get it rolling on this broadcast of Trucking Open Forum on Truth About Trucking Live. So hang with us, and we will be right back. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back.
Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey, thanks again for listening to Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about XRS Corporation and how they're leading the way for the industry's mobile technology. XRS puts the power to improve every aspect of trucking in the hands of the ones who matter the most, the drivers. Named to honor the natural evolution of Zada, their previous name, and Road Science, their ongoing business focus, XRS is a company and a breakthrough mobile technology platform dedicated to alleviating the increasing demands on drivers drivers, owner-operators, and fleet managers. XRS is leading the trucking industry's migration to mobile devices for collecting and analyzing compliance and management data. Through XRS, fleet managers, owners, and drivers can collect, sort, view, and analyze data to help lower costs, increase safety, attain compliance with governmental regulations, and improve customer satisfaction all through their mobile devices. Their simple plug-and-play solution eliminates costly equipment purchases, installation, and training by delivering intuitive cloud-based technology built directly through all major wireless carriers to virtually any mobile device. For more information, visit them at xrscorp.com, and you can also find them on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. XRS Corporation, dedicated to making the life of the driver easier. Learn more about their breakthrough mobile technology platform. Check them out at xrscorp.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, and uh, yeah, I think you're sounding good, Donna, so that's going to work out all right, and uh, you know, we might have to do a little bit different this show. Um, I got quite a few callers on the line. Last time we brought uh, we brought a lot of callers on at once. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that this show, so we'll just kind of take them randomly and uh, get them on as soon as we can, Maybe get maybe get two or three on at a time or something, but try to get everybody on, but um, <clears throat> anyway... Uh, you saw where I um, kind of dedicated this show to Fred Schaffner. Yeah, I did. I, I matter of fact, I just noticed it. You did. Yeah. I got to thinking um, with the HOS compliance coming up on July first and the truck parking survey and 
and uh, that situation and all the stuff that's going on right now, uh, man, he'd be reading and researching, and boy, he would just he would just be having a grand old time. I know, and I tell you what, and I know I say this to Alan a lot. I really miss Fred. Um, I know Rich misses Fred too. They used to um, <clears throat> have a lot of uh, good discussions together. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, Fred Schaffner really just loved um, getting into. Besides trucking, he was very political also, uh, but he loved getting into the regulations and reading and researching and uh this this would really be right up his alley tonight um i think i'm gonna actually while i'm on facebook i just realized you did that alan i'm gonna put a little a little uh, mark over to uh, his brother jb schaffner uh michael schaffner um and let him know that this show is because i know uh jb really misses fred a lot they were really really close and um, I'd like him to know that you did this because I know it would mean a lot to him. So I'm just going to put a little post up there right now. All right. Yeah, I miss him too. He was. I mean, he was just. He was so smart, you know. And uh, I just was thinking, man, he'd be getting into all this stuff <laughs> right now. So especially uh, the um, the truck parking focus mm-hmm. group. Oh yeah. And the survey and Jason's law. I mean, he was all over all of that. So I know. I know. Well, okay, we'll just we'll dedicate it to Fred, the American driver Schaffner, and we'll let you decide where you want to go. I see Texas, North Dakota, Delaware, Colorado, Arkansas, uh New York City. Um where, who else we have here? Uh another Texas, uh Oregon, Washington State, California. Well, just kind of all over. I have to scroll down here. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. We'll we'll take them as we uh as they came in and Try to get others on here, but there's quite a few here, so I don't know if I can get everybody on here. But let's start with the first one up. Uh, I bet this is Kari, Colorado, area code 720. Uh, go ahead. You're on the show. Hi, guys. Hey, Kari. What's can you going hear me? on? Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I'm are y'all, are y- I'm in Las Vegas. It's like 115 degrees. I wish I was in Las <laughs> Vegas. I wouldn't care I if it was 200. Yeah, but I know we'd be in the casino playing penny slots. But anyway, um, we found out today that we are going to be going to the GATS convention. Uh, Now, when you say we, tell us who is we representing. Missing Truck Driver Alert Network. Great. Um, We had a meeting with the company owners today, and they're going to um, allow us to use their booth which is Lightning Logistics out of Las Vegas. And so we started a campaign to try and raise money for our banners and to purchase some T-shirts that we can sell, brochures, and... um, Well, I I tell you what, I know you're asking a dollar from everybody, which, you know, I'm sure everybody um, in the group, including us, will be happy to do that in many uh, we'll probably, you know, do more, but I think a dollar, you know, for people who are struggling is a, is a fair amount um, <clears throat> to ask for. Um, I wanted to announce, uh, I noticed Diane Dutton, um, uh, no. she donated $100. I think she's on. I, I mean, that, I, I tell you what, that was really inspiring to see that, and um, that was awesome. Uh, well, yeah, I don't phone? know. Well, um, we don't know. 
where she is. I mean, there's like a whole oh. bunch of numbers lit up, so we don't know her number. But um, <clears throat> anyway, well, okay, I'm just... let me talk. Diana Dutton is um, offering. Um, she donated one hundred dollars. She's our first donator, and she said that if we reach two hundred dollars by July fourth, and more donations, that she will donate. She will match it. That's that's really unbelievable, and I can't wait to see her again. Yeah, um, so, I forgot. Diana, I, I think her um, her boyfriend, her her other half, and uh, he's from England, and I think he's yes. coming to the convention too. Oh yeah, and he's a trip. Yeah, he's a great guy. I got to meet him at at, uh, at Matt's, and I feel awful because I can't remember his name. What guy? What are you talking about? Uh, Diana's. Oh, Keith. Uh, Keith. Oh. Keith. That's his name. Okay, I couldn't. I couldn't think of his name. Okay, so your company's pro- is going to uh, set you up with a table at Gats for the missing truck driver. Now, when when is Gats? Uh, twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, I believe. Uh, uh, August. I have my oh, yeah, it's I have August. My in front of me. But it's in August. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I hope I hope we uh, will be able to go there um, and see everybody. Um, I was only able to go at Mass this year, but I'll tell you what, I had a ball. It was great seeing everybody, and uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can do that at, at Gats. But we'll just cross our fingers and see how it goes. I never plan on anything, uh, but that's really exciting that they're doing that. Um, why don't you tell everybody just briefly a little bit? You know, for anybody who's on here that really doesn't know about Missing Truck Driver and what it does and what it's trying to achieve uh, and what it has achieved already, if you could just share that a little bit with the listeners. Missing Truck Driver uses social media to locate drivers that have gone off of the grid. And um, when we find out we have a driver, we require a police report or an official um, complaint. I want to call it complaint because um, an official missing person report. And then we route out the um, driver's possible paths and start calling all the truck stops and having employees, you know, hopefully, you know, they've got enough people that can go out and look for the truck. We work with law enforcement agencies. Um, One of our goals is to try and get it so that um, the law enforcement agencies will be more consistent and more receptive to looking for missing drivers. Some agencies will immediately post a missing persons report and others require up to three days, which is way too long because these guys are out on the road. Um, they're parked on the shoulder of the road, and nobody pays any attention to the truck parked on the shoulder of the road. So we need to bring an awareness to the law enforcement community that this needs to be a priority and uh, get some statutes um, changed. So, so where can people... people state drivers. Uh, where can people uh, reach you at? I know you have your Facebook page, Missing Truck Driver Alert Network. Um, also, you have a website. Can you give that uh, URL out? Because I know after people listen to this, they're going to want to um, jump on board. So the website is missingtruckdriver.com, and there's a contact me form on there they can use to send an email. And is the donation call. link on the website? I haven't got that far yet, Donna. This just all happened today. I, I'm overwhelmed. 
Okay. <laughs> well, number number one is um, get the donation link up there because uh, I don't know. Do you have one up on Facebook uh, yet? Um, it's is my it... PayPal account, and it's my first and last name. It's Kari Fisher, and it's spelled K-A-R-I-F-I-S-H-E-R at live.com is my PayPal account. All right. I'm going to put this in the chat room. But um, we'll try to get this going because this is this is finally taking um, a big a big turn having a big company like that be well, supporting and you. The other good news is we reached over four thousand members this week, and we started this in the middle of February of last year, as you know, when um, Mark Williams went off the grid, and he was the first driver that was actually found using social media. Out of the twenty drivers that we've had, three have been found using social media, which isn't a lot, but it's three more that. Um, their families know what happened. Right, right. Okay, can you repeat your your thing here again? I'm just trying to type it in, and I was trying to read some Kari. Of the stuff in the chat. Uh-huh, Kari, Kari Fisher, Fisher at live at dot com. Oh, it's dot com. All right, I thought it was dot net. Okay, and that's and your. And we will enthusiastically accept more <laughs> donations. So. Well, you know what? I think a dollar is very reasonable, um, and you well, know, even even people who are, are struggling will do a dollar. I still have a few window decals left. The three by four vinyl decals of the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network logo, which is my profile picture, and they're five dollars. I'm not sure I'm gonna have to go up to the truck and count them to see how many I do have, but we will order more once we have the money. And also, if anybody's interested in selling or buying a video dash cam, I donate my commission from the uh, dash cam. Video sale. dash cam? Okay, and that is, um, now how can they um, order a dash cam? They have to go through me because I don't have an affiliate link set up, and it's easier for um, Jill and the crew over at video dash cam to just have me get the information and email it to them. Okay, and video dash cam, um, they're a sponsor this year again. Uh, for the truck driver social media convention, that's um, I believe their their um, their website is just video-cam.com. But uh, yes. <laughs> if you want to order the uh, dash cam and have the proceeds go to uh, missing, then you have to get a hold of Kari, and that's Kari Fisher at live.com, or just go to the Missing Truck Driver Alert Network. Yeah, they can you know send me a message through Facebook or on Twitter. It's Missing Trucker on Twitter. Okay, wonderful. What is my Twitter? I can never remember if it's missing. I I can't. Re- I tell you what, I can't keep it all straight. There's I, my head spins half the time. All right. Well, sounds think, good. We'll have. My notes, and I think that's all I had. Okay. Well, I just okay. want to say how yeah. Kia, how Kia is in the chat room, and he says uh-huh. extend my extend my congrats to Kari uh, for the gats. So. Um, oh. I do and Akari was how was one. I'm glad Hal said that because I almost forgot. But um, this was all Hal's idea to put this together, and it just kind of fell on my lap. But Pilot Challenge did an extensive interview with um, Lee and I, Donna, John DeWilliams, who is the wife of uh, Mark Williams that was found dead in Tuscaloosa, and uh, the owner of the missing driver that we had last week. Um, it's all going to be in an article in Pilot Challenge, and I believe it's going to be the August edition. 
is a huge article, and they just have been fantastic. The reporter was awesome. She's just so excited about Missing Truck Driver. Yeah, it is. It's a tremendous, uh, you know, idea, organization. Congratulations, you know, to you and Hal when you guys first hooked up together and got this thing going. So, um, you know, we're just thrilled to death to see something. Because so many times people have these great ideas and and they, you know, there's not enough support for one another um, in the industry and, and it goes nowhere. But this is like such a how would you call it, nonpartisan type thing that it just hit the emotional cord of everybody and so many people jumped on board. So, um, yeah, I'm really thrilled. And two drivers to agree on anything. And we've got a but they can't agree on this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's stressful. There's, you know, um, I post, there's 8,000 eyes out there looking now and somebody, well, somebody's got a glass eye, so there's only 1,999. But, okay. Well, congratulations, and I'll look forward to – I'll talk to you later. Yeah, awesome. Alrighty. Thanks for calling in. Okay. All right, thanks, Kari. And, uh, yeah, I know you'd like to be in uh, Colorado. I, well, I'd like to – never mind Colorado. They're in Vegas. Are you kidding? Oh, I meant, I meant Las Vegas, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't care if it was 200 degrees over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Out there in the desert. I haven't been there in a while, so – uh, okay, uh, oh, North Dakota dropped off. I'll, let's go to the next one. That was online, Texas, uh, area code 210. Go ahead. You're on the show. Yeah, that's me, Jeff. How you doing? Hey, oh, hey Jeff. Jeff. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, here at home because my truck just broke down. Oh, that's never good. No, it isn't. I mean, I was having engine trouble yesterday when I picked up a load south of here, and then I got about... 90 miles from home, and it started derailing itself really bad. And uh, I tell you what, I keep losing faith in these new trucks anymore every time something like this happens to me, and it's happened all too often. It's like, okay, let's uh, go find a 78 Freeliner cab over the mechanical Cummins. That would be my ride of choice. Even if the AC didn't work, it didn't have power steering, I'd be riding home, man, as long as I can put a good stereo in and go on down the highway. <laughs> well, how long is it going to be down? Do you give any idea? Uh, I don't know yet. I mean, for all I know, I'm probably going to be hopping in a rental car right next week and head to Dallas to get myself another truck. So i got to see how long it's going to take him to fix it. I'm just glad it's at a uh, Detroit shop instead of a Freeliner dealer, so maybe it might actually get it right. So, <laughs> but, yeah, but down here, it's like the delays can take a while because there is a lot of oil field equipment that uh, is uh, lined up out there to get work done, too. So, uh, yeah, that's making it hard to get repair work done around here, just like in Anywhere where there's a lot of oil field trucks, anybody that's over the road is uh, going to have trouble getting their equipment repaired unless they uh, can have something minor done at a TA or Petro or any other shop along the way that might be able to give the men right away. But yeah, I've seen oil field trucks show up at those locations for stuff too. So, But anyway, I don't want to take up too much time discussing about that. But I want to bring up a very important topic that, that a lot of drivers uh, don't seem to think about until they're actually stuck in a very bad, unfavorable situation. Uh, the fact that we need to be prepared financially out here in order to be able to make it home whenever something happens or make it to our next job. There's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, we never know when something may happen where we might actually get uh, fired from a company or lose our job if we may have a health situation come up uh, to where we may have to uh, get home. We all need to think about something, folks, and also this pertains to new drivers as well. You might want to really pay close attention to what I'm going to tell you. Uh, it's important to have money saved up to where if something happens, 
you have the uh, means to get yourself back home. It's not like if uh, you and your company part ways, they're going to call for a stretch limo with a uh, wet bar full of drinks in the back to for you to ride home in solid. They're not going to do that. It, if you're lucky, they may give you a bus ticket. But when you have your belongings, you can only take so much on a bus. Where are you going to put your stuff at? So that's why I'm saying uh, be prepared to take care of matters on your own. If you need to rent a car one way, you could do that if you have the money to do so. But you also need to have a major credit card in order to make a deposit for the rental car. And it also helps to have about $1,500 cash set aside where you can uh, pay for the rental car. The other room when you get home, you can pay for hotels and meals and fuel for the rental car en route when you're on your way home. And not to mention, there's uh, it's, it's just a certain level of financial preparedness. I mean, you can have the money uh, set aside in the uh, money market savings account that you can access in your debit card. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, do not use that money for anything but emergencies. If you go out and uh, buy uh, the latest big thing at the Chrome shop or the CD shop, you know, that big high-dollar CD radio that has the lit-up taste and all that and put that Texas bump on your truck and something happens the following week, you're going to be out that money. You won't be able to get home when you need to. So uh, I'm just wanting to put it out there for every driver to really think hard about it. Have the emergency funds to get home uh, regardless of what happens. Uh, if you have a, somebody in your family passes away and you got to get home, at least you can buy a plane ticket in that situation. Work with your companies who agree on a place to park the truck for a week or so, however long you're going to be home, and then fly back out there again. If you have the financial means to do it, then that's going to make it a lot easier for you to do what you got to do to be there for your family when they need you. So, it's, uh, Well, this much, was a big uh, problem with that arrow. Um, everybody remembers that, right? Yeah, uh, yes, uh, exactly. I'm sure a lot of people remember it, and I even wrote an article about that right after it happened a few years ago. And, uh if uh, more drivers were prepared, uh, they would have the means to get home. Uh, I know a lot of people run by the seat of their pants out there right now. They uh, live paycheck to paycheck. I know we've discussed it before, but putting 25 to $50 a week away into a money market savings account until you have about 1500 to $2,000 in it is not that hard to do. It really isn't. I mean, I don't care if you're a company driver like I am, an owner-operator, lease operator, a new driver, you have the uh, ability to uh, do that. You just have to um, be disciplined to make it happen for yourself and uh, make sure that you're the only one that has access to that money. That way you don't have a, a untrustful spouse or something that can just get in there and rip that money out of your account and you're stuck out there on the road with no way to get home. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it's, and it's like you said, I mean, so many people, uh, we heard a statistic last night on the news, Donna, what was that, about 80% of the people or more in the U.S.? 76%. 76 live paycheck to paycheck, so it is difficult, but it's not impossible. It's like Jeff said, I mean, I remember I I would put away uh, $10 a week, $20 a week, whatever I could. I always pulled it out and just uh, sometimes just stuck it in an envelope, and then when I got home, put it in the bank, but... Like you said, Jeff, I mean, even 10 bucks a week eventually is going to add up. Well, it does. If you're disciplined and you don't touch that money the whole time, it will build up. I mean, uh, the more you have in there, the better. I mean, that. I mean, if you also get in the habit of putting money away to where if you uh, suffer an illness, you can be off the road for a while, you might have enough money to fall back on to pay your bills for a couple of months. I mean, it's, uh, it's just basically about savings. And I advise anybody that's listening, if you haven't uh, – Listen to uh, Dave Ramsey on the radio. Uh, go look at his website, www.daveramsey.com. 
I learned things from him about uh, money management. The guy's a genius. He's made his own mistakes and learned from them. And he, uh, he's been around to tell about it. He can relate directly to anybody as far as uh, money management problems. He's, he's made those mistakes himself. But the guy's a multimillionaire now. And he, uh, and who was that? Dave Ramsey. Okay, yeah, I've heard. I'm going to I'm going to type his uh, website link in the uh, chat room right now, but uh, yeah, he's a, a he's a guru when it comes to that. I mean, matter of fact, I've got a lot of investment advice I've learned from him as far as my retirement portfolio. You have Eddie just posted before I got. Thank you, Eddie. You did you right to us. So, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, we need to all be prepared. I we can't expect any, uh, anybody to uh, just bail us out. And everything I've seen happen out here too is like with the lease operators. You know, uh, they're responsible for a lot of stuff that goes wrong with their trucks that's not covered by warranty. And not to mention, uh, even if the truck is under warranty, that warranty is not going to cover your hotel room and meals while you're out on the road while you're waiting for that truck to get fixed. So, guess what? You need to have that uh, money put away for that. And also, the same goes for owner-operators, too. I mean, I've, you know, I'm a company driver, and I might get paid breakdown time, but I've also got money set aside to cover hotel rooms and meals. Yeah, I can even afford to take a little mini vacation if I choose to, depending on where I'm at. I can go rent a car and go out and have fun. I mean, uh, 2001, I was down in Florida and uh, blew her into my own truck that I had when I was an owner-operator. But guess what? Yeah, I might have had to pay a $6,000 repair bill, but guess what? I had the cash to pay for that. And also, I had uh, money to pay for a hotel room for the whole week. And uh, I went on a uh, offshore fishing trip, and now there's a nine-and-a-half-foot hammerhead shark on the wall in my living room, as well as a Spanish mackerel that I caught that's a trophy-sized fish. And uh, I had a real car while I was down there. I mean, I was having a lot of fun while I was off. I mean, it's like you can make uh, good out of a bad situation if you have the uh, financial means to make it happen. I mean, uh, sometimes a breakdown can turn into like a little mini vacation, and you get the truck fixed, you're ready to go ready to get out there and hit again and make that money, you know. So it's just all about, um, you know, Eddie, you got a good point in the chatter about putting five cents a mile for every mile they drive. I mean, when I was an owner-operator, I did 10, but five cents a mile is good for a company driver. That's a good point, man. Thanks for bringing that up. But uh, I'm going to give somebody else a chance to talk or ask questions or whatever they might want to. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's, it's good advice. It's just, uh, it's it's. It can be really, really hard to do. You just have to set your mind to it and do it. You know, it's like a, it's like how, how I did it, like you said too. I mean, sometimes it was just, sometimes I had fifty a week to spare. Sometimes I had ten, but I always took something away. So, just you know, just make yourself do it. And boy, when it when it comes time that you need it, you're going to really be glad you had it. Oh, damn right you will. I mean. Uh... In my case, when I was an owner-operator, I kept no less than $15,000 of my own money in a readily accessible checking account, uh, I mean, a Marty Market account. I'm not a believer in doing things on credit. I mean, uh, I do have a credit card for the purpose of bringing a car if I need to, or else I can buy a plane ticket to uh, get the traveler's insurance that comes with it. But otherwise, I would rather uh, have the ability to just pay cash for something. I mean, if I go out and buy a pickup, I pay cash for it. I don't like payments on stuff. I want the money to work for me by earning the extra instead of paying interest on it. So that's a basic principle that I live by when it comes to how I manage my money anymore. I'm not trying to come across as self-righteous, but I've uh, made, uh, you know, um, made my own uh, mistakes over time, and I've had to learn from them. And, Eddie, you bring up a very good point about the uh, term life insurance uh, to keep that will go with you to wherever job you go to, whether it's being an owner-operator or a uh, company driver or whatever. That way, if uh, something happens to you, 
uh, you're uh, you're going to have the ability uh, for your family to be taken care of after you're gone. I mean, uh, you never you can't take for granted you're always going to be here. I mean, because we all, even with us and driving for a while, we know how dangerous the job is. Um, in the blink of an eye, we can all be gone. And Debbie and I both come to accept that we know how dangerous our jobs are out here. Yeah. Yes, it is. And uh, I noticed you brought up the thing about the life insurance, and it's very sad <clears throat> that so many people, you know, they have it in their mind, something they want to do, uh, but it always gets put into that little category of I'll get around to it. And then, um, you know, something tragic happens, and the family is really left to struggle. Um, uh, if if anybody, you know, uh, needs any kind of life insurance, um, just, just send us an email because we have somebody top-notch who can um, advise on appropriate uh, insurance for them. So, just uh, if if that's something that they need. Well, it's well and you about, know, uh, the whole thing is about uh, hoping for the best, being prepared for the worst, and uh, you never right. know things get ugly in this industry. So, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, Alan, but I'm just uh, want to get that point out there while I'm thinking about it. No, that's okay. There's there's about a three or four second delay in 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 these lines so we we think somebody has stopped talking and and we're just in a delay so it, it's no big deal it's just just part of the show but it's a good point and, and uh appreciate you bringing it up hey not a problem man. i'm just trying to do what i can to uh help keep my fellow brothers and sisters out there out of trouble i mean i've made some mistakes myself and been in those situations but i mean i've also been after I learned my lesson to where if uh, something happened to come in out part of ways, I had a way to rent a car and get home and uh, have all my stuff with me. I mean, because a lot of us that have been out here a while, uh, we may have uh, several thousand dollars worth of stuff in our truck. Like in my case, I have one of those sled-covered sleep number beds. I've also got a refrigerator and freezer and then uh, God knows what else. I mean, I don't have uh, a GPS to screen like that in my truck. I'm old school as far as that goes, but I mean... Uh, I do have a lot of equipment. I wouldn't want to just leave sitting anywhere when I'm trying to get home and find a way to get it back. Otherwise, I don't want to trust that to anybody else. Well, you know, that, that whole Arrow deal, you know, back in '09 or whenever it was, um, was really pretty amazing. I mean, there were so many hundreds of drivers that were literally stranded that, I yeah, mean, a, didn't even have 100 bucks. I mean, it, it was really pretty surprising to me. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I do remember a couple of guys that had money. Uh, what they did is they uh, pitched in and rented a uh, small rider truck, and they were able to throw their belongings in the back and then uh, pitch in on gas and uh, meals and hotels, and they got where they had to go. Those were the guys that were prepared. But unfortunately, not uh, everybody uh, thinks like that. You know, they don't think about having uh, that. what they call it. Some people refer to it as a rainy day fund, basically. I mean, you've got to have that money put away or else you're going to be left out and hung dry. And you can't, uh, I mean, and, you know, it would be a blow to somebody's pride to have to go around the truck stop trying to bum money because you know how a lot of drivers are reacting to panhandlers anymore. They uh, are not exactly a welcome sight. And if somebody has legitimate uh, need for help, it's hard for the, anybody to really know if that, uh, that person is legitimate or not because, like myself, you know, when somebody approaches me wanting money at a truck stop, I'm going to offer to buy them a meal, but I will not hand them cash because chances are it might be somebody that just wants to support a, uh, a vice of some sort instead of actually getting off the butt and doing something for a living. Oh, I know. The old truck stop panhandlers run into it every night. 
well, <laughs> can't, can't part of it. I just act like I can't speak English. You know, due to my appearance, I can use that in my favor. So, uh, dark skin and dark hair, hell, I can just act like I don't speak English. They're the hell. Well, it's all good. All good points, Jeff. Appreciate it. And not a problem. I'm just going to hang out and listen to you guys uh, have, and have fun with it. I'll probably chime in later on if you guys want to chat about anything. Okay. You want me just to you want me just to keep your mic open? Uh, if you want to, I'm going to give, uh, give other people a chance to talk. I think I've uh, rambled on a bit for a while, so I'm going to let everybody else have a chance to talk. And if I want to say something, I'll try. I'll try to. But I'm I might have spent some time to chat room and everything. So uh, looks like Al okay. and some of the others. Are pretty- a lot of good stuff in here. So, all right, well, let's uh, carry on and have fun, guys. Okay, I'll just leave your mic open, and uh, let's see. I know that's uh, – I'll take them in order that they came. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's – okay, North Dakota popped back up. Uh, North Dakota, area code 701. Go ahead. Hi, it's just me, Deb. Hi, Deb. How's it going? Hello, dear. Going fine. Where do you want to take us? Um, I was just going to listen, but, um, um, oh, okay. the thing with Travis parking, um, uh, one of Rich's friends had posted that it was basically none of my business because I lived in Florida. So I don't know, evidently it's got nothing to do with me. So if that's what you're going to be talking about tonight, I was going to go to bed. <laughs> no, we're not going to, I think we're going to, I think that parking thing has, you know, has just you know been over overdone. I think it caused so much. Uh, I don't know what would you call it animosity. But anyway, I think uh, I don't really know what's going on with it right now. Um, something I think they're trying to change the what would you call that ordinance? Is that what it was? Uh, so that they educate the people and let them know that, listen, drivers need more than eight hours, so you, you're going to need to change that. I don't know where it went, but uh, anyway, that, that's that's all I know about it. And about what ordinance? What are you talking oh, about? Oh, this is the one, the, the one we had with the show, and Center Lane had a show on it, and it was about the um, Coon Rapids truck parking. That, oh, that was that, the last show. That was the last show, but there was another show that um, I listened to with Center Lane, and I guess, um, you know, it, it, it was really, that's when that note first got posted, and it had to be cleared up that it was really about the drivers who live there parking their trucks and how they need to go find, you know, like we did, uh, places where we we couldn't park our tr- trucks uh, here, so we had to find a place and pay to have our truck parked. So anyway, it caused this big thing in the town, and they were all upset uh, because the trucks were parking in the in the lots. Yeah, we did that last show. So yeah. So what's what about now? So I don't know what's happening. Oh, now. oh, I don't know either. So, uh, all right, Deb. Uh, so you're just going to listen, hang on there. Yeah, I'll hang on for a little bit. But like I said, I um, I've had a long day, so. Okay. Well, yeah, you just. I'm up here in Minnesota, actually. Oh, you're in Minnesota now? Yeah, I am. But, you know, only things in Florida pertain to me. So i got to be careful about it. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. Well, hey, just hang on. Do what you need to do. And uh, a lot of our our listeners are on the road. So um, 
<clears throat> Almost all of them are on the road. Most all of them are, yeah. You know, I thought we were going to uh, – the one thing, I guess the thing about this truck parking now is, um, you know, I, I can't. I don't have the date. When Map 21, you know, finally came around, but they're just now getting around to taking the first step to uh, do that survey, Donna. We were talking about that before the show. Mm-hmm. That uh, you know, man, how long has it been? And, and they're just now getting around to just beginning to think about taking the survey, the one that the DOT is required to do. Well, well, that that's that was amazing when I saw that. I saw that in a landline article. And I know Rich is in the chat room. I don't know if he's up on the. Um, I think that he's next right here. I tell you what, he's, they bring he, him he's up. been hanging on for yes. a while. So let's bring. Uh, him. I Del- want to talk Delaware to Delaware three hundred two. I bet that's Richard. Hello. Hey, Rich. Hey, Rich. Hey, it's me. Hey, hey finally got you on there. Thanks for holding. Um, no problem. Okay, did you see the landline article um, about uh, the FHWA seeks clearance to move forward with the federal truck parking survey? Did you see that article? Yeah. Because okay, um, I don't know. I mean, wasn't that first of all? Just so all our listeners, so you all know, there's a national survey that will be presented at the truck driver convention. Richard Wilson. Uh, will be uh, with Hope Reidenberg and uh, Andy Warkaba and the Truck Driver Focus Group, which uh, Desiree Wood is working very diligently on. But it's all about the shortage of truck parking. And I hope everybody who's listened has taken the survey. If you haven't, you need to just go to askthetrucker.com, click on Take the uh, truck, National Truck Parking Survey. And, uh, and if you've ever had a problem with truck parking, you need to take this survey. And the presentation will be in October in Kansas City, uh, uh, Missouri. Okay, that's kind of like the background. Now, Richard, help us out with this. Wasn't this uh, survey from DOT supposed to have been started already? Yes. Okay. It was supposed to have been started about uh, eight and a half, nine months ago, but... uh, they just they haven't got around to um putting it together um and i think the the biggest thing about it is that it's from what i understand i was when i was ever in washington i was talking to some people over there about it and about mat 21 and um the problem is the money that was allocated the states have to apply for it and once the states apply for it, then the states are on their own to basically do the survey to uh, see what their parking situations is. And then they're going to submit that back to the DOT, and then the DOT is supposed to present it back to the Transportation Subcommittee. Okay. Now, okay, two things about that. First of all, this was supposed to be, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this was supposed to be priority i mean it's in map 21 as a priority correct yes okay and so it didn't seem at the time that we read it because we were talking about it before the show that we don't remember it saying that the states had to apply for the survey we thought it said that they were ordered to do the survey um, I don't know. We, am I correct? In re, is that correct? 
it, it was it wasn't that they were ordered it was that uh, it was going to be a part of their funding but somewhere somehow uh it's been changed or rewritten to the point now where the states actually have to apply and and I read the original map map 21 and I never saw where they had to apply but now it seems that when I was told by the Department of Transportation in in the meeting that I had with them was that the states have to apply and and when I asked the question I said well where does it state that and they said well if you ha you have to read in the subsection and I said well where is it at and they gave me some link and um it just it just says that the states have to states are required to apply. So I guess if you take uh, they were ordered and change that to they're required to apply. Right. Um, you know that's I guess is what they mean by order. Okay, so if they don't apply and they're required to, what is the consequence of not applying? Is there a consequence? Uh, I don't think there's really a consequence written into it that I saw. Okay, okay. So, and, and I guess I guess the consequence would be they wouldn't receive any monies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when the monies are allocated, yeah, they wouldn't receive because yeah. the monies allocated are going to be based on the results of the surveys. So, if the state doesn't um, uh, apply, then you know they're just I guess they just get you know bypassed and they won't get any money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I have another question to ask, and it is, in your opinion, if Hope hadn't started her idea uh, of the National Truck Parking Survey, do you think this would have even come up? Mm. That's, that's that's hard because I, I, I want to say, yes, eventually they would have come around to it, and there's a lot of things right now that are, like, holding things up. It's just like they just appointed a new uh, Secretary of Transportation. Um, he's got to get in now and be briefed on everything and what the priorities are, which is another delay. So, I, you know, I, I, I'd say yes eventually, but I don't know when, you know. so Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think eventually. Eventually it would have had to, but I think this might have made it come in start a little earlier. Yeah, well, they, the, the thing about it is, I mean, and, and Hope said that herself. She said that she spoke with DOT and and she spoke with uh, some some congressmen, and they were going to push it that, uh, you know, they even accept if, if our survey comes in as, you know, um, the same as if, you know, some big Booz Allen or one of these consulting agencies that contracts with the government – and you know it's 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 in a format uh that it's data related that that they're supposed to from what i understand now um and it, this is sort of speculative but from what i understand they're supposed to include that and the results of that survey into their in, into um into the, the DOT survey yeah 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 you yeah know, I, I think i think hope's deal just uh this whole survey that we're doing now just kind of kind of helped light the fire underneath them, Donna. I, I really do, because I'll be honest with you, I was shocked when I saw that they were just starting it. We had Congressman Tonko on, 
And I believe he believed it with all his heart when he was on our show that this thing was kicking off, okay? He was very excited, uh, and, you know, he was telling people, this is the email, put your info in, and, uh, you know, let let the DOT know uh, the areas and so forth, because at the time, Hope hadn't started this uh, truck parking survey, so it was all according to emails that were going to be flooded with DOT, um, kind of like, you know, disorganized, but yet still information. Um, right. I th- He had said on the show that it was supposed to be completed in 18 months, which would have been this fall. So... I don't know. I want to read that Map 21 again because I want to see the wording. I, I haven't read it in a long time, um, but it, it just shocked me when I saw that they were just starting this. And uh, Oh, this is government. What do you – Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, yeah. it's just a governmental red tape. You know? Now, what so. about the 62-day public comment period ending on August 26th? What's that? What are we supposed to be commenting on? Um. Well, basically, you're supposed to be commenting on uh, situations you've ran into. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, if you, you can come up with uh, data, um, you know, problems where you've had parking, when you've had to break the law, uh, or break the regulation, excuse me, not the law, but, but uh, break the regulation or violate the regulation um, because of lack of parking. Um you know that kind of stuff uh where you, um the corridor that you travel where you find it's harder like the northeast is coming up on our survey as being the uh area with the most problems um and that kind of stuff you know and 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 just real facts not just there's no parking out here and i got to park on the shoulder of the road you know give times give dates you got to give specifics and then what they'll do is is they'll take your comments and they're going to review them, and the ones that are pertinent to the the regulation will be posted. I just recently had a comment that I filed uh, with the with the Federal Motor Carrier on, and and I was actually one of mine was in between ATA. And OIDA, so I actually made it onto it. Not everybody does, but if you give them significant information, they will respond to it in the um, notice. Um, and you just you just you know give your points and you make your points valid. And and the Federal Motor Carrier in the um, um, the, the Federal Register will respond to your questions directly, but you have to make the information um, reasonable, truthful, and of substance. And, and just take a few minutes to think of what you say. That's all you got to do. Yeah, they, they're uh, very cl- they're very clear on it too, Donna. Here, they're, oh, sorry, Richard, but I'm just going to jump in. They they it, it says right here that the the purpose of the the intention of the comments. Is to find is to find out where critical truck parking is needed across the U.S. Right, Donna. So that's pretty straight and simple. Right, right. Yeah. Well, what's beautiful is, um, uh, you know, if anybody has taken the survey, uh, that was one of the questions, right, Richard? Um, I know you check it all the time because you're evaluating the data uh, for the presentation, but 
Um, we, we've already kind of found that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wouldn't wouldn't that survey that is uh, is is put together isn't that going to determine these places? I mean, I think if I remember correctly, um, when we when we created that survey, it actually went part by part of each area of the United States. Correct? Yeah, it's 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 designed where it divides it into geographical areas. And so you can like where you have the where it's harder to park, where where it's easier to park, where you have supportive parking, where there's non-supportive parking, and by that I mean like rest areas and uh, available parking. So yeah, it, it's it's broken down by geographical area. In fact, we, when we designed it, we we went like northeast, mid-Atlantic, southeast, you know, uh, southwest, central. So, yeah, it breaks it down by geographical location. Okay. Yeah, I was I was fixing to yell at you anyway, Jeff. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I wanted to say something about the parking survey. I'm thinking one thing we probably could do is uh, figure out where we can submit photos of uh, overflowing parking in uh, various parts of the country and uh, make it a point to take pictures like overflowed truck stops, overflowed rest areas, um, well, that's anywhere. part of the truck parking focus group on uh, Facebook. If you go into that group and want to be a part of that, you can actually take a photo and post it and, in the group. And videos. And videos. That, that, I, that's what Hope is wanting, photos and videos to go along with everything else. Yeah, because yeah. this is worth a thousand words. Of course, a lot of people that are... Uh, out there uh, in power, they, they're only out there during the daytime. They'll see a truck stop with maybe about 15 trucks in it, and uh, they're probably thinking, like, oh, they got plenty of parking. No, what's the worry? You know, that's the time. Exactly. Here, I'm going to post the truck parking focus group uh, in the chat room. Hold on. I'm just copying and pasting it now. Yeah, that's part of everything that Hope's doing, too, Jeff, like Lana was saying. I mean, not just comments, but part of that. Part of that focus group is to anybody who wants to be involved in that can send photos and videos and everything to provide evidence and all that good stuff. So you'll put that link in there? Um, I got it right now. It's okay. in there. Yeah, we, we, we strongly urge people who want to uh, do something like that uh, to definitely take the pictures. Um, I remember one of the greatest videos, um, Alan, and anybody else who's listening, uh, Fred Schaffner took a video of Maryland. Uh, Richard, do you remember that? Yep. Yep. Okay. In fact, it was posted. It was posted in the focus group. It was okay. I mean, yeah. it it was per. That's what I mean. You know, when I when I think how he would be jumping up and down right now, of uh, what's going on, you know. And I know you know that, Richard, because you've spent a lot of time with him. Um, wouldn't he be excited about what's going on now? Oh, he would not only be excited, but he would be coming in with buckets and buckets of evidence. <laughs> oh, my God, he'd be out there with cameras, and yes, yes. So, um, anyway, I'm going to try to get JB to get in on this. Huh? I missed the guy, because I'll tell you what, um, and it was so funny uh, how we came together and became such good friends. Um but I'm going to tell you something. He he is one of those guys that uh, had so much passion mm-hmm. and didn't stop at the doorstep. If he couldn't knock on the door and they volunteered to let him in, he'd break the door down. 
<laughs> he was a great guy, great guy. I'm, uh, we we miss him. He was a big advocate. Yeah, it was, and uh, you know, um, he he was when that that the uh, what was it? Jer- Jeff Caldwell from the Virginia DOT. Remember that two-hour parking thing they had? Yeah. Um, yeah, he reopened. Yeah, he was on that show. What a great show! And I'm going to tell you why it was great. He spoke like such a gentleman. I don't think we knew you uh, then yet. This was back in 2009. He was always that way. He was very calm mannered and and ve- just very intelligent, and uh, yeah. but never raised his voice. Just he just made his point. <laughs> he was good at it, Donna. Yeah, well, he did, it, he did all his research. He had all the research done. Um, I'm trying to talk in the chat room. I'm not good at this. Um, okay, and uh, and anyway, bottom line to all that was that 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 law was changed. And uh, it took a long time, but the, the gentleman from the uh, Virginia DOT was a real gentleman also. And uh, it was a great show, and, and that was our first experience with Fred. And just getting back, he'd be he'd be very excited now. I think that's why – is that why you dedicated this to him, this yeah. show, Alan? Yeah, I was just thinking all this stuff that's going on now and how much he liked to research, and he would put his facts together, and, man, he couldn't get anything over the guy. And uh, I mean, a lot of times when I was talking to him, I was I was I was like a deer in the headlights. He was talking way over my head. But, but I mean, he would get he would get into the nitty gritty part of the regulation and 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 facts. I don't know how he dug it all up, but you know, I may I may put that show back up as a I may just put that show up later and yeah, we'll post it. As you a can rebroadcast listen to it. or something. That was a good show. <laughs> It was something else. But, hey, you know what? I was going to, too, not to get really off the subject, but uh, I've just got something here. And, and Jeff, I know you're a, uh, you're, you're big time in OIDA, and I saw where OIDA was um, uh, pushing something for um, CDL training, basic CDL training standards. You you have any uh, insight on, on that and what OIDA is doing? I really haven't uh, paid that close of attention to uh, it because I have very little time to be on Facebook, especially on the road. But, yes, I do think there needs to be some changes in the uh, CDL training. I think it needs to go back to the way things were done back in the 60s and 70s where drivers were uh, basically uh, riding with a bench for time, and also they had to work in the shop, too, and learn how to work on a truck before they could ever drive one. So, uh, But, honestly, I haven't uh, really been reading up much on what they've been doing. They post a lot of stuff on Facebook all the time, so honestly, it's really hard to keep track of everything they do. It's hard to keep track of, of everything. It's it's your head spins. By oh. the end of the day, you're just like a vegetable trying to keep up with it all, and then plus get the convention together. And the yeah, well, <laughs> well, Oida's, boy, Oida's kicking in. they got a lot of stuff going on. I guess this new campaign is called Truckers for Safety. Um and uh, it all has to do with improving the the current CDL training. But Donna, heck, we brought that up six, seven years ago. That was one well, of the first things we brought up: the CDL training. That's actually how we we began on on the internet was all about um, training and uh, entering the industry. And and then you know we just kind of got spread out in all kinds of areas. And uh, but it's good to see uh, a big organization that, you know, has the respect and exposure uh, nationally 
to be making a statement, which they have always been saying this in the past also, but now to actually make a statement and connect the dots with regulations and the shortage and, uh, you know, kind of putting it all together. That's kind of like the statement you wrote last night about HOS uh, last night, uh, Alan. You know, it, 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 listen, it's it's not the hours of service. You know, you're all fighting for more hours. You should be fighting for more pay. Um and not to have to work harder to make the same pay you did 15 years ago. So Well, it's like the new HOS rule, the compliance that takes effect July 1st. I mean, they're wanting more miles. Uh, but, I mean, to me, that's just kind of like, you know, wanting to work harder but not smarter. Yeah. That's, so they're missing the picture. That's Well, a lot of drivers are thinking in terms of uh, trying to, get more miles in order to be more productive that way. But you know what? I don't know of any other line of work where people want to work more hours a week than we already do out here. I mean, think about it. We're, able, we're legally able to log 70 on lines three and four, but who in the hell in the right mile would want to actually work more than that? I would rather get uh, focused on getting paid for everything I do instead of uh, trying to, uh, you know, be like a donkey chasing a carrot on a stick that's in front of his head. So but one thing I wanted to point out about the uh, – the new driver training that we were discussing just a minute ago has to do with a lot of these companies out there putting these uh, so-called uh, safety systems on their truck, like the uh, on-guard uh, safe collision avoidance system that uh, you get too close to the vehicle in front of you while the cruise control said it'll slam on the brakes and stuff like that. And it also makes a annoying uh, noise, too, whenever you get close to a vehicle, or else if you uh, even have something on the shoulder, it'll start beeping at you. Just... Uh, I keep telling people all the time that there's no technology available in the market anywhere that will actually uh, replace the uh, judgment and skills of a good, well-qualified driver. I couldn't agree well, that, more. That, well, that's just that's just the thing. There's such a driver shortage because the the turnover rate for new drivers coming in is so great. There are safety risks. This is exactly what was in OIDA's article also. I mean, if you really go down to it with the regulations and everything, it really all goes back to CDL training because if you have good drivers who understand the regulations, the laws, and then you don't need so many regulations. Uh, so I, I tell you what, it's it's like a connect-the-dots type of thing but when you see the entire picture and uh and try to explain it to people and they finally have an aha moment and that's really what you want to see is them to say aha okay this is the problem but really wages have been really Alan, i mean well that's what i was going to say it goes <clears throat> this this driver shortage thing now which now they call the shortage of qualified drivers I mean, it really goes much. There's so many more variables that that are into play here. I mean, it's not just the CDL driver training. I mean, they go into training, even even if they have good training. I mean, most of the generation today, who wants to go into live in a truck out on the road for months at a time for three, four, five hundred dollars a week? So there's a lot more variables that in play in here. Yeah, I, I mean, and and really, when you when you put it all together, it's just one big picture. So even if you even if they pass more regulations for CDL training standards, 
and the pay stays the same as it has been for the last three or four decades, and the lifestyle and all the stuff that goes with it, uh, how will the CDL training affect any kind of qualified driver shortage if all the other variables stay the same? Well, Rich, Rich had said also the idea of um, uh, skilled, we're still classified as uh, unskilled labor. And I know we had a show with Fred. We keep bringing up Fred, but he was into everything. Uh, he had this big show that we did about unskilled labor and how it started and how, you know, why it's unfair and all like that. But, yeah, I think it comes down to the wages and they know that people are quitting and they're having a big turnover of new drivers. So how do you create a safe driver when they have inadequate training? Well, you just put more regulations on them. And uh, and I guess that's the only way they know how to do it uh, if they're not going to solve the problems. And really, I, what was it you put in there last night? Cheap freight. As long as the freight is going to be cheap, am I correct, then they can't raise the wages. Uh, is that safe to say that shippers and receivers kind of yeah know? because yeah because they're the ones who set the freight rates anyway so and you know I don't don't know if that's ever going to change and even if it did and the wages did go up the lifestyle is never going to change it's still going to be a pretty rough lifestyle away from home away from family and a lot of the a lot of the generation today don't want don't want the lifestyle right so not for that pay not for that pay. They don't want to be out on the road uh, away from their family for uh, weeks at a time for, what, uh, a salary of uh, 35000 a year if they're lucky? I mean, who can support a family on that nowadays in most parts of the country? I mean, uh, what I'm wanting to talk about at the convention when I get there is uh, the fact that we need to be uh, focused on working smarter, like Alan mentioned, be paid for everything we do instead of uh, trying to uh, bend the rules and uh, run it illegal to get that last little bit out of our law book in order to turn more miles. I mean, uh, like I said earlier, I don't know of any other industry where people are trying to find ways to work harder than they already do. We're basically killing ourselves out here as it is. We don't need to be uh, really pushing it, uh, you know, beyond the legal limits like we're uh, tend to do already. Let's focus on getting paid for everything we do. And hold shippers and receivers more accountable for our time that we sit waiting on their docks. Exactly. That's the point. It, it's the pay. Because they wouldn't be fighting for more hours uh, so badly if they were getting paid for all the things they need to be paid for. And, and that's what they have to realize. Because, I mean, the, the, the trucking companies, the, 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 the company drivers, I mean the large majority of them, not all, but the large majority are still going to be cut off at a certain amount of miles per week, whether that's 25, 24, 28. So, I mean, they're scrambling to get more miles, but many of these trucking companies for their company drivers have them set at a certain amount of weekly miles, and when they reach that, they're going to be cut off. That's, that's the way it's been. That's basically what it is. I mean, I average, uh, I get paid by the mile where I work, and thankfully it's a pretty decent rate per mile, so I mean, I do make a decent income where I'm at, but I still don't think it's enough to uh, compensate for uh, all the sacrifices that I make out here. And it's one of those things where um, I'll generally run from uh, anywhere between 2,500 to as much as 4,000 miles a week, which I've done before. On the e-logs, believe it or not. I've actually ran that far on e-logs before. It kept all legal the whole time. 
But you can't do that week after week. I mean, we all know that because at some point you're going to run out of hours. You're going to have to either take a 34 or take a couple of days off just to get, get some hours back on your 70 to run with. But uh, like I say, I think we need to focus on getting paid for everything we do out here. If we have to wait for our trucks to get worked on, we need to go on the clock and get paid by the hour for it because after all, we are away from home and we are in charge Absolutely. of that truck there. Yeah. Oh, well, I know. And, uh, I don't know, Richard. I mean, I know you're a, you're in with OIDA pretty good too. I didn't know if you knew uh, had anything new. I mean, I just saw this about the OIDA launching this campaign for uh, CDL training standards. I didn't know if you uh, had any tidbits on that. Well, <clears throat> when I was over uh, in DC talking to um, Todd Spencer. Uh, we were discussing it at lunch, and uh, we agreed. I mean, I've been saying that all along, that they got to bring the standard of the education from the get-go, you know, instead of just trying to one-size-fits-all master seats, you know. I mean, they've got to get these people better trained, and like Jeff said, they've got to get the basics under these people and not just six weeks and you're – put in with a trainer and the trainer says yay or nay and that that may not that may not be enough to qualify you as an experienced driver and then the second thing that comes out of that is the guys have and gals have a bad experience and they leave the industry because of whatever reason because they weren't properly trained but you know the thing is they keep changing the regulations they keep confusing people everybody gets arguing about it everybody's fighting over it and the stress level that the drivers are under right now trying to figure out what's the next going to come around the next turn, they can't concentrate on learning what they're doing. And, and like, I, I agree with Jeff. You know, the biggest problem has always been if you have to pay somebody to sit at your loading dock, you're probably going to get them out of there quicker. And until uh, the Department of Labor teams up and says, hey, these are working viable people. They have to log on duty. So if they've got to log on duty not driving, then they should be compensated for it. And until that time, we're just going to keep putting rookies in the seats. The crash causation is going to keep going up. And, you know, if you look at what the FMCSA, you know, with the, with the whole mission of the FMCSA is safety. And as Todd said, it's not safety anymore. It's economics. And when you start making regulations based on economics and on the feelings of a few safety advocates, that, you know, you're not going to get paid. The companies are going to get away with you doing work for nothing, and they shouldn't be. And it goes back to what I've always said. First of all, you've got to, you've got to reclassify the job as skilled labor. I mean, yes. you've got to classify as skilled labor. Once that get classification, the Department of Labor steps in, and then FMCSA says they throw their hands up and say, we have nothing to do with shippers and receivers. Okay? Well, then maybe call a skilled labor, and the Department of Labor will get involved into it or something. But, you know, I'm not saying all four more regulations. we got enough regulations that we can't figure out what they are because they keep changing. What we need to do is have smart regulations that make it safer and make make it better for the drivers and make the the industry and the job um, better and more people will 
take the time, effort to get better educated to get into it because there'll be reward for work. Exactly. And, you know, Oida brought up a good uh, a good point when they said that little bit of training they get, well, they can barely drive, none of it includes the regulations. Uh, I mean, and that's true. It's true. And you, you know, every, every driver that cannot recite the regulations when when requested by a DOT officer is in violation is is unqualified to drive because it states it states right in there that the driver must be familiar with the federal motor carrier regulations and they've gotten by with simply handing uh, a driver's manual and tearing off the front page and having the driver sign it and the companies are now oh we're we're, we're, we're you know we're compliant because we gave them the book well, no, they didn't give them the – I mean, the book don't make you compliant. The book just says, I gave you the book, you know. Right. Where's the test for that? <laughs> there is no test. They took That's away what the I'm saying. Test. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, let me uh, let me go here. I'm losing uh, – I lost a little track here on the callers. I don't know if they're listening or uh, anything, but let's go to Texas here, area code 903. Want to make sure if you wanted to be on the show, go ahead. You're on, you're on the air. Thank you. Alan, and good evening, all you fine people. Uh, this is Sandy, and I came up with an idea. I don't know. I don't know too many jobs that you go to apply for that they don't give you some kind of an aptitude test. And many of these new drivers are given government grants because their jobs are gone or they just they're on welfare, whatever. They don't even give them an aptitude test to see if they have the aptitude to drive a truck. But the government is giving them the grant money to go through school and become a truck driver. What kind of deal is that? That's because I I don't believe they understand the the skill uh, level and aptitude that's required. If you look at the ads, you know, hey, you know, you don't you you don't need an education. You know what I mean? They they make it so demeaning that people think that, you know, anybody could jump on board with it, and that's not the case. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Fana, you sat right there with me when I gave that presentation, and a lot of these ideas were in there that these people are they're using all these government grants, it's our tax money, to train these people, and they're not training them, and... They're not retaining them when when they're asked when these companies are asked about how many are in it uh, a year from the time they start. Well, they don't have those figures available. Well, then how can they say they got the right. kind of a turnover rate? Yeah, and, and that's that that's true. They don't have any any figures uh, on like first year students um crashes none, none of that data is available and you know no. it makes me wonder why it's not available uh is that on purpose is that an oversight no it's not it's not an oversight they don't want to give it up because they're just milking all those programs for the government for everything they can get and it's just like all those people from the driving schools were already scheduled before the event took place, and they all got to say their piece before the drivers got to say anything. And all of those driving school executives 
It was money, money, money. Oh, well, we can't afford this and we can't afford that. I thought this is supposed to be about safety, not about money. Duh, <laughs> give me a break. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? I would think for $8,000, you know, they, they could afford it. That's what people are paying up to, uh, what? you know, for three, four weeks of training. Do you know what? what the do you know what the entry reg the the entry level driver training requirements are? It's what really are they? ridiculous. Yeah. Three eighty point five oh three entry level driving requirements. Entry level training must include instruction addressing the following four areas. Driver qualification requirements, hours of service, driver wellness, and whistleblower protection. That's all a new CDL a company has to train a new CDL driver on. That really gets the break down the road, don't it, Rich? Yeah, happy birthday, by the way. Oh, yeah, happy birthday, Sandy. Thank you. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I mean, this is the type of regulations I'm talking about. You know, these CDL schools, you can go online and, and Google them, and they say, you know, all you need to get your CDL is to take a written and a skills test. Okay? Well, guess what? For $4.99, in hell, some states you can get it for nothing. That you can get a copy of the test, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, you can train, probably train, I won't say a monkey, but you can train anybody that memorize the test and get the answers right and their general answers, and then you, you turn right around and you take the guy out and you give him a skills test. Well, they turn around and they say, well, I'll tell you what, for $500, we'll make sure you pass your skills test. And in some states, those schools they charge three and four hundred dollars, give you a certificate, and you take it to motor vehicle, and you get a CDL. So getting your CDL doesn't make you a truck driver. And the company's responsibility on a new entry is driver qualification, hours of service, driver wellness, and whistleblower. Hell, I know whistleblowers that blow the whistle of the FMCSA all the time, and all they do is get fired. So they don't even right. stand behind their own regulation. Unless they know Paul Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's the part that gets me is they, they you know, they'll 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 come up with seven thousand pages on some, you know, that's not even relevant to safety, but yet they'll come in here and say that that's all that's required, and that a driver must be familiar with the federal motor carrier regulations, and by signing the front page of a reg book, that makes me qualified. No, it don't make you qualified. No, what you do is you get on the reg book, they read it, and they come back, they take a test. And then at least they know the regulations. Um, you know, I mean, but that's still, all in all, that's all paperwork, that's all book, that's all learning. Experience is behind the wheel. And we need to set a minimum standard of highway miles. Thank you. And weather conditions. Yeah, you don't send the, you don't send the kid to, that, that is from, say, Florida and his first run, you send him to Minnesota in the winter. Right. That, that, that's just, you know, that's a disaster ready to happen. That you happened know? to, I remember that happened to, I believe it was James Queen. And I right. think he was, when he first started, and he was a, a nervous wreck uh, about about going up there because he was from Florida, just exactly. Plus, he was one of the um, deaf drivers that was hired. So... Um, yeah, that's look, a, how, look how many look how many companies will send a rookie into New York City with a fifty three footer. 
and then he tears stuff up, and then he comes back to the yard, and the safety guy goes, well, I'm going to write you up for a recordable accident because there's no front bumper on this brand-new truck. What do you expect? You just sent a kid with less than a year's experience into the worst area to drive with the biggest possible rig you could, and you expect him not to tear up anything? I'd say make the dispatcher pay for it for taking an unqualified person and putting him in that situation. Oh, they expect it. I think they do that. A lot of them do that for a reason, just to uh, just to just to get rid of them and and keep the new ones coming in. I mean, I, I really think that because I've I've seen that way too many times. Uh, just like sending them into the winter in New York City, and you know they kind of say, well, you know, it's time to pay your dues, but uh, you know, it's not time to pay your dues when you've only been driving three months. You know, so right. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. You know, there's there's common. The, the thing is, our industry has for, has forgot the basic common sense. Yes. Well, well, and you know, if if, if in, go ahead, Sandy. As far, as far as them knowing the regulations, Rich, I don't know how they could really know the regulations because they're so they're they're written where it needs three Philadelphia lawyers to interpret them so that you do things right. That, you know, and that's why, you know, one of the things that I, I focused on when I opened this new business, um, not to, I'm not giving a plug or anything, but there is a lot of owner-operators, there's a lot of truck drivers themselves that don't understand the regulations and are getting a lot of bad information from other people uh, because there's a lot of older guys that have a lot of experience and older gals that have a lot of experience that don't know the regulations right. So I put together a program just for that where, you know, for like a 100 bucks, um, you know, the people can have a regulatory guy that they can call and ask questions for just so they don't have to worry about getting bad information and get the same information that they guys get. Right. Well, I I didn't tell you this, Donna, but the other night there was a, a big wreck on I-75. I was the first one there. Yeah. I was right behind it. I was right behind the two cars involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was getting out of the truck and going over to try to get the girl out of the van that was hit. Oh, my God. I was about five feet from her door when uh, another car came flying in and hit her right in the door. Oh my God! You didn't tell me this. Miss missed me about by five feet. He came flying in at about sixty-five, seventy miles an hour, and so I took off running and barely got out of the way. And um, I, I just said, "Well, she's dead. That killed her." She was looking at me. I was talking to her. Oh my God! I was asking her oh. if she was okay. I was asking her if she was okay, and she finally looked oh at God. me and nodded. Oh my God! And I said, and I said. Um, I said, look, you're in a very dangerous situation. You need to get out of the car. And she was kind of dazed. So I got out of my truck, and I was about five feet from her door, and then that, that a silver Lexus came flying through and hit her. And she was looking at me, talking to me. And I went, well, she's dead. She's dead. That killed. I had to kill her. So I go running back over there, and all she had was a little bit of blood on her left hand. She was still alive. Oh, my God. She was fine. Great. She was fine. God bless her. Yeah. yeah, and but there was there was five people injured on that whole thing, and uh, 
but anyway, I was out there for two or three hours talking to the cops and all that stuff. So you'll probably get phone calls from lawyers and cops and everything. But um, and this is—he never told me about this. This is the first time. What night did this happen? Um, let's see, Mon- Monday night. Okay. No, Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday morning. Sunday morning at twelve thirty a.m. and everything, right out there on I seventy five. And uh, anyway, I forget where I was going with it. Some something somebody said, but but it it just made me think of that. But um, oh. I forget where I was going with it. Something Sandy or Richard said, but um, anyway, I'll think about it later. We were talking about the new new drivers or something. I don't know. I don't know what could have triggered it. Yeah. Now now I don't remember. I lost my train of thought. But um, well, I'm so glad she's alive. I mean, uh, <clears throat> who ended up getting her out of the out of the car? They had to cut her out. They had to cut the. They had to cut the, the windshield and the driver's door, and uh, take out the steering wheel. Wow. But anyway, I forget where I was going with it. Something you guys said, but now I forget what the whole point of that story was. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I was just curious about this. And you know, this whole driver training thing that now OIDA's pushing. Um, it's it's the whole unskilled unskilled thing you know but i mean that the 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 category of unskilled labor that has to do with global economics so i just you know i don't see that ever changing well one of the problems with the unskilled labor uh situation that that i'm hearing is that you know the base hourly uh exposure to employees that are skilled labor is between 40 and 45 hours and at any time over that, you know, is required to pay overtime. And with the drivers, have a 70-hour week uh, that, you know, is almost every driver has to go that point or very close to it, is that, you know, they would be getting like 30 hours a week and the economic impact would be too great. Well, then pay us for everything we do in the 70 hours we do, like Jeff said, and it won't be so bad. But when you... When you work 70 hours and get paid for 36 of what you do, then that's not fair either. Oh no, no, no! I totally agree. Yeah, but uh, oh, I know what I know what the whole purpose of my story was, Donna. Why? Richard said something about uh, speaking English or knowing the regulations or you know being qualified or something. Well, another another truck driver, you know, pulled over. He couldn't get through because there was wreckage all over the place. I went over there to talk to him to, you know, to uh, see if he saw anything or, you know, all that kind of good stuff. And he was Korean, and he couldn't speak in, any English. He could, he couldn't speak any English. I said, "Do you speak any English?" And he said, "Little bit," and that was it. But but there he was, uh, uh, driving a driving a commercial vehicle, Richard. Yeah. I don't yeah, know how they get away with it, and not not just either. them. And I, I I don't mean any specific group, but that's in the regulations, isn't it? You're, you're, you're supposed to be able to read, write, and speak and understand English. Read, write, and understand and be able to communicate with the general motoring public and understand regulations. Yep. And even the, even when the state troopers got there, they were talking to him, too. He really wasn't involved or saw anything. He was just blocked. He couldn't get by. And uh, I even heard the state trooper ask him, do you speak English? And he, and he said, just a little bit. And... I guess the state trooper didn't think anything of it, but that was my first thought. I thought, well, how are you driving a CMV? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they and they and they don't enforce it. 
because I can tell you right now that the DOT doesn't want to get into a discriminatory problem. Right. You know, you discriminate against me because I speak bad English. Now, I, because I ask you for your logbook and you look at me like um, a ghost. You know, that's that's not communicating with the general public. <laughs> right, and and who knows? He he. Go ahead, Sandy. I think they've taken this discrimination thing way beyond the realm of what it was ever meant to be to begin with. And I think that that needs to be put into proper perspective. You know, if they can't speak English and they can't communicate with the officers, then we have no way of knowing if they can read it and understand it. What do they understand the, the signs on the road? The, mind, the speed limit signs, curve signs, any of that stuff. If they can't communicate with us, how do we know they understand it? Well, when I used to be a shipper, you know, one thing I worry about is, uh, say, for instance, okay, I live on the interstate, uh, off of Interstate 35 in San Antonio, Texas, and there's a lot of uh, trucks that may be coming out of Mexico that run through here. Of course, I've been up on I-80 in Nebraska where there's a lot of uh, – Eastern Europeans are running out of Chicago. What would happen if one of those trucks hauling hazardous materials load uh, had an accident and timely communication was critical and those drivers couldn't speak English? We would have a more serious problem on our hands. I mean, think about it, especially when there's uh, human lives that are already at uh, stake, you know, and they can't get the right uh, responses out of that driver in order to get the right personnel and equipment on the scene of an accident. That right there is what makes me worry. I mean, I'm thankful for the, the fact that I speak Spanish, but I can't be everywhere all the time whenever something goes wrong out there. Right. right. And you're fortunate you are bilingual because I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I know a lot of people that aren't, and and they get and people get in trouble over it, you know. I mean, and, and I know when I was a shipper, I had guys come to my dock to pick up loads that couldn't even speak enough English to tell me what load they were picking up. I had to talk to a dispatcher on the cell phone. Yeah, I don't understand why this isn't enforced. I don't know, understand why the law isn't enforced, but, you know. Well, you know, the guy, you know, that that guy could have just been saying that because he didn't want to get involved, but what caught me was funny was the, the state trooper, it didn't dawn on the state trooper of course, it was a pretty bad accident. There was five people on the ground, but it still didn't dawn to one of the state troopers that here here was a commercial vehicle driver who apparently supposedly couldn't speak English. But you know, with that kind of accident, maybe that you know it just didn't cross her mind. I don't know. Jeff can tell you. Jeff's out there every day. He sees these guys and and and, and gals and and here's and they they don't speak english i mean i've I've been at a scale house during like driver appreciation where we were handing out donuts and coffee, and people came in there and they couldn't even ask for a cup of coffee they'd point at it, and I'm thinking right. to myself, you know as a safety guy, I'm going like you know how does the d o t but that the DOT can harass a guy because his pigtail's out on his trailer and write him up for 11 violations of lights being out on his trailer, and yet the next guy comes in here doesn't even speak English, and they go, oh, well, we can't talk to the guy. Let him go. You know, yeah. I mean. Actually, that's by DOT regulations, they're supposed to shut that driver down if he can't communicate. They're supposed <laughs> yeah. to shut him down. In one state that I uh, think is doing a very good job of that, 
is Nebraska. You've heard about those uh, Russian drivers that were getting stopped at that scale over in Greenwood that uh, couldn't speak English, right? Nebraska yeah. is doing one hell of a job of shutting down those drivers. Yep, yep, I heard about that. And there was also, they were, weren't they shutting down a bunch of Indian drivers too? Well, there's a lot of those pretty much everywhere you go. I mean, I I want to sound racist. I mean, but you have, you have a lot of Middle Eastern people that run out of Canada that go to uh, different place to spend the country and everything too and uh it's slobber up down I five out of British Columbia down into California and Oregon and whatnot, so there's an issue with that there too. I mean, uh and of course down here where I, I live, I mean thankfully most of the uh, drivers that are Hispanic descent that are American citizens, most all of them that I've been around do speak fluent English. I never had to actually uh, talk to any of them in Spanish. The only driver I've ever had to talk to in Spanish was uh, down Laredo when I was actually switching my trailer out. He bought my trailer across the border, and I had a good conversation with him in Spanish. But uh, otherwise, I've uh, communicated with a lot of them that are born here in the U.S., and they speak fluent English, and they do their job real well otherwise. They're good drivers. Well, I think there's just a lot a lot of little regulations like that, Richard, that uh, just they just don't seem to uh, be too worried about in, enforcing until maybe some major catastrophe happens, and then they might start looking at it. I'll tell you one incident that, re- that recently came to light um, with all these bus companies, what they call the China bus tours out of New York when they started shutting them down. Yeah. Um, there was a real aggressive attack on those companies, um, and it kind of used the language barrier as a um, open forum to go in, and when they would stop these guys, and if they couldn't, and what they do with a bus, they don't require it to stop at a scale. But what they do is they they wait until like outside of a casino or something, and then the DOT will go on the buses and do inspections, <clears throat> and they will ask certain. There's about six questions that they'll ask a bus driver that has to do with emergency escape and uh, explain to them what their procedure is. And if they can't explain to them in a coherent and cohesive way that it's understandable, then they automatically will shut that bus down. But, you know, that's all part of the accidents that were happening and that real aggressive attack that the DOT had on buses. But the DOT is like any other government agency. You know, when they have a a critical situation arise, they seem to, to, you know, go after a certain group of people for a while and then they'll move on to what something else that becomes critical. And until that they can prove, and this came right from Bill Quaid, until they can prove that the language barrier was a threat to the passengers or to the general motoring public and that these carriers, by hiring these people, were a, were a imminent hazard, then they're probably not going to shut them down. They're just going to write fines and make them do corrective action plans and let them continue to operate. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, and that's that's why I said until something major really happens, they might they might think about enforcing it. But until then, if they're writing fines, well, they may just see it. Well, hey, this is just another money maker for us. Sure, sure. I mean, you got to remember, every time they send a DOT officer in to do an intervention or a full blown compliance review, they figure it costs about twelve hundred dollars a day. So you take a, a major carrier with 300, you know, trucks or better, and they're going to be there a week and a half. I guarantee you, they find something that's probably going to pay for the cost of the DOT agents. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I guess you know, um, you know, talk about regulations, Donna. What was the? And you know, I'm watching the time here. We're going to wind it down here a little bit. But what was the thing on Facebook? You were asking uh, what were the major problems drivers had with the regulations? What? Um, yeah, that was the that was the FMCSA thread. Yeah, I posted that question. And then later on, that's the one that we went and reviewed all the answers. Yeah. And then, the, okay, yeah, yeah, that one. Re- refresh my memory. What was I know HOS. Oh, I, the, most of it, what I saw was HOS. And then that's a what few I was people, you know, just generally, well, I hate them and, well, you know, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> well, you know, I was, asking, uh, I was asking some of the drivers I was standing around with the other night. I mean, I asked, I must have asked maybe 10, 10 or a dozen drivers. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you ready for the the new HOS compliance on July 1st? And every single one of them, 10 to 12 of them that I asked, looked at me and said, what HOS compliance? They didn't know anything about it. Oh, and that's something. I know. I know. Make, I make, and thing. it makes me wonder, you know, and, and this is just a little local company, so it kind of makes me wonder um, what's going to happen when that compliance date kicks in. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to call with their pants around their ankles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. We'll... Sandy, where are you at right now? San Antonio, Texas. Oh, you're San Anto- That's where I'm at. I'm at home right now in San Antonio. Oh, okay. I delivered to Shirley Meeks down there on Laredo and South San Marcos. I know exactly where it is. I used to work over there, as a matter of fact. I know exactly where you're at. Okay. Well, actually, I'm. I came out to the truck stop because I gotta. I gotta take my ten because I came from West Texas. So. Um, there you go. Well, I, my truck's actually parked over there, not too far from the truck stop. So one of the dealers is getting engine work done to it. So yeah. It's, yeah, but I'm not glad it started having issues close to home because I wasn't about to. I wouldn't want to be stuck somewhere like in uh, Western Kansas at a. Dry County in the hotel room where I wouldn't be able to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I tell you, look, the time's kind of winding down. Jeff, you have any uh, uh, any final comments you want to share? Oh hell yeah, why not? I think we need to have a humorous example of uh, trucking companies that uh, people in general should not go to work for. And of course, I know Rich has heard this before, but I'm going to lay it out there again. Uh, um, how about drivers? Let's come on, get on the get her done round. That's right over here, Billy Bob's Chicken Express. That's right. You leave out of Bodar, Alabama, with a flatbed full of frozen chicken, and be out there and shake it two days later and untarp that uh, load of frozen chicken to come back with a flatbed load. Be back there that next weekend. That's right. Every truck that comes on the yard gets a free case of Red Bull Energy Drink, and also not to mention. Scale bypass mask, courtesy of our good friend Rich Wilson. That's right. Scale bypass mask. Another plus of working over at Billy Bob's Chicken Express. Call over for that lease purchase program. That's right. Get that stuff to your dreams. It's a pay three seventy nine instead. And for another fifty bucks a week, we'll put some great sacks and chicken lights on for you. That's right. Over at Billy Bob's Chicken Express. Yeah, but did they pay you for retention time? Believe it or not, most chicken haulers that haul for the, the, the poultry plants, 
for the company, yeah. they do your waiting time. <laughs> they do? Yeah, yeah, they do. They get paid detention. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, you did that pretty good, Jeff. That was a little thing Jeff and I was setting up on the on the side here, a little little thing we jumped in there. You did that pretty good. Appreciate it. And uh, hey, Sandy, you got any any final comments you want to leave us with? Huh? No, I just I'm frustrated, and I just hope that I, I'm just going to keep pecking away, and I don't know. I I'm really scared that. They're going to try to regulate me out of the business because of my age. Well, you, uh, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you have, you have, you're in pretty good standing with your company and and everything. So, right? Oh yeah, but yes, yes, I, I have, I'm very happy with where I am and what I'm doing, and uh, I just, it just behooves me that. Those um, so-called safety groups um, don't want to take any responsibility for themselves. It's always somebody else's fault. They're not the first to have. It started out from them losing children that were out in the middle of the night that the parents had no control over. Well, we can't accept responsibility for that. We're going to blame it on the truck driver. And I, I just I don't know how to get rid of those people. Yeah, it's been that way for as long as I can remember. It's always the driver's fault. But hey, you know, if you're you're with a good company, you're happy. They're happy with you. There is no set uh, retirement age for truck drivers. So I would say you're you're pretty safe. You've been uh, you've been out there a long time. So heck, I I wouldn't worry about it. I would just uh, keep on trucking. That's what you're doing. Right, right. Well, like I said, you know, I had not spoken out earlier. I. You know, I disagreed with a lot of things, but I didn't speak out, and I decided that, you know, I know realistically I'm not going to live forever, and if there's anything that I can do to help my fellow drivers, then I need to speak up and and do what I can do. And I don't know, the, the more you dig into this stuff, the more confused I get. <laughs> yeah, well, I think they write the, they they do that stuff on purpose, but now y'all are still doing your uh Women's Truckers Network, right? Right here on Blog Talk Radio? Oh, yes. yes, sir. Yes, sir, we are. I don't know what's going to be on. I don't know what's going to be the topic next Tuesday. Um, but we did have a very interesting call uh, last night. Uh, we had a lady that has 14 years driving experience. She had to take off three years to care for her elderly mother, and she had to put her into... Um, some kind of a rest home or something, and she was off three years. And the company that she was driving for when she came off the road wanted her to come back, but she had to go through orientation, and they uh, just welcomed her with open arms and all this, And but they changed the amount of weight that they had to lift and didn't even mention that to her when she went to take her physical, and she's four foot seven and 67 years old, and she was to have to lift 80 pounds from a 36-inch table, put it on the floor, and lift it back up on the table, and they failed her because she used her knees. Well, you're supposed to use your knees to lift with anyway, 
and she's very beside herself. She just doesn't know what to think. You know, she's afraid that she's not going to be able to come back into the industry. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I tell you, I mean, yeah, I mean, of course, you're supposed to bend your knees. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I just, I don't understand stuff like that, Richard. You know, I mean, they, I, I just don't get it. That's the problem with that situation. Is the trucking companies can establish their own baseline, and if they're want an excuse not to hire you, they they don't want to have to deal with. Uh, uh, you know, prejudiced in hiring, so they just make a test that's, you know, um, that uh, she couldn't do. I mean, that was their way of, you know, of saying we really don't want you, unfortunately, and it happens all the time. I mean, I see it, you know, a bunch of people that'll hire, that'll have somebody come in and all of a sudden they don't want to say that their DAC report was bad or this, that, or the other, so they'll come up with some unusual reason why we can't hire you. I know for a fact we had a case here about three years ago uh, at Walmart where a guy didn't get hired because he he had bad teeth. And they said that uh, that was a, 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 if the guy's teeth would start hurting him, he would be paying attention to his teeth, he wouldn't be driving the truck. And I thought to myself, gee, you know, you're gonna, you know, the guy had an impeccable record, and they're not going to hire him because he's got bad teeth. You know. Yeah. Well, that might be one of the oddest things I've heard. So, uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, listen. Thanks, Sandy. I appreciate it. Um, Richard, I know you were commenting on that. I'll give you the last uh, few minutes. Any final comments you want to leave us with? No. Just uh, basically, we've covered a lot tonight. Um, just uh, be careful, be safe, be aware of what's around you. Uh, remember, um, you can believe what you want, but the regulations are the regulations. you got to follow them. And um, I hope uh, everybody uh, goes to my new website and takes a look. And uh, if I can be, with help of, or be of help to anybody, uh, get in touch with me, contact me. I'll be more than glad to help you. All right. Sounds good. I, I appreciate it. And uh, I tell you, since you brought that up, it is a good time because I, I do want to tell uh, everybody about TCRG Consulting. Uh, TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group. And with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very start up of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up-to-date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. We've talked about that a lot tonight. So their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs, and TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, think TCRG. Because their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority. Uh, they'll help you with a new entrant carrier set up and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, uh, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, and just a whole lot more. They're online special for drivers and owner-operators right now. Uh, they're offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you'll have access 
to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you, just like we were talking just a few minutes ago on the show. So for more information, go to their website. It's tcrgconsulting.com or email them at regguy at comcast.net, and you can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, Information and Assistance to help you comply. So check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. And I just want to um, add to that, um, Richard, of course, everybody knows uh, Richard Wilson, that's his company, um, and he's on our show tonight. He's also a speaker at the um, 2013 Truck Driver Social Media Convention. But that $99 is almost unbelievable because I can remember uh, back, I can't remember which year it was, it was during the Memphis Truck Expo, that there was a company there offering similar services uh, for $40 a month for drivers. Are you aware of that, Richard? No. No, I know I know what my the previous company that I worked for wanted to charge drivers, and I told them they were ridiculous. <laughs> so I went out and started my own business. <laughs> yeah. And and this is like, you know. That's I, really a good deal, $99. That's an unbelievable yeah, deal. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, if I was still OTR, I'd be jumping on it. <clears throat> so, hey, Richard, well, is there a number they can reach you at? Uh, right now my number is 302-396-0706. But Monday Comcast is coming in, and I will have an 800 number sometime next week, hopefully. Oh, okay. But if they go to the website, that will all be up there anyway. Yep, number's up there, email address is up there, everything is up there. Okay, awesome. Okay, sounds good. And, yeah, again, tcrgconsulting.com, special $99 a year access to the regulations from uh, the experts over there that know what they're talking about. So, Donna, going to wrap it up here. Good show. Did you have any – I didn't even ask you. Do you have any uh, announcements or anything, or we go over everything pretty good? or Um, Just the um, 2013 Truck Driver Social Media Convention uh, going on in Kansas City, Missouri, at Harris on October 11th through the 13th. Um, I had a little – of course, I can't remember everything. You'd think I know it all by now um, with all I talk about it. Uh, I'll just run over our speakers. Um, We have uh, Jim Bouchard, Think Like a Black Belt. He actually put a great video up together yesterday for us. I don't know if anybody saw it. It's on our Facebook homepage. Um, But you can go look at it. Um, You'll see him talk about the convention and the the need in the trucking industry for social media. Um, Hope Rivenberg for the truck parking shortage and Jason's Law, uh, along with Andy Warkaba and Rich Wilson, for the also for the truck parking shortage uh, and Jason's Law. Um, and as far as the truck driver focus group on Facebook, that link we put out in the chat room, um, Desiree Wood is a special guest who has put in a tremendous amount of effort uh, in this uh, truck parking survey uh presentation preparation 
um, speaker uh, for the truck driver wages and the truck driver shortage uh, is Jeff Barker, who also is on our show tonight. Our, another special guest we have uh, at the convention will be Paul Taylor, Kyla Lieberg of Truckers Against Trafficking. Uh, we're thrilled to death that Paul is uh, going to be available uh, for all those. He has the truckersjusticecenter.com, has helped so many drivers. Um, uh, how would you call it, like whistleblowers or if employment law issues, if they've been done wrong within their company. He stands up for their rights, so he's going to be with us. David Shoemate will be there. Um, I'm just off the top of my head here. Uh, just a tremendous group of people with a with a tremendous amount of information to share, along with the you know almost ten thousand dollars in prizes and all the food and everything you could possibly think of. So you need to get your tickets because um, we're going to call it July first. They're going to be tickets are, are are no longer going to be available, and uh, just go to the website truckingsocialmedia.com and make sure you get your ticket. That's it. That's it. That's okay. It. So July first is that what pretty much a deadline or? Uh, yeah, that's the deadline. Well, you know what it is. I I need to have a figure into Harris. Right. It all has to do with Harris. So July first is so that, man. That's right around the corner. That is around the corner. I mean, you know, I might be able to get an extension or something. That's what happened the first year. But you know, we have to have numbers in, and I I know people don't understand it because they're so used to truck shows uh, that. You know, the idea of signing up for something three months in advance is is difficult to comprehend. But you know, that's just how this one works. So okay, well, we'll see how it goes. So thanks again, uh, callers, listeners online, those in the chat room. Appreciate you tuning in, and I guess we will wrap it up then. So. For Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. On behalf of Donna Smith, uh, we'll catch you next week. Drive safe, everybody. And I'm going to leave you with Tony Justice, fellow truck driver, Tony Justice. Check him out over at TonyJusticeMusic.com with Peterbilt 379. Good night, everybody. I've got a record to keep I got a one on my dash Born on the sea I got the chrome polished up And she's a looking girl I'm a cat burn underneath the hood I've been at home too long It's starting to show When I get that itch Lord, I'm ready to roll When you see me come And get out of my way I got a hot load of praise I'm gonna make my destination come a rain or shine In my suit, up, sign up, get you there by sun up Peter Bill, 379 Got the wind in my hair and the hammer down I'm 1,200 miles from the guitar town
destination come a rain or shine In my suit of sign up Get you there by sun up Get you there, my son of Peter Bill.